The following program is an original WWE podcast. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Welcome to the greatest podcast you've ever heard in your life. The greatest podcast of all time. And it is called The New Day. Feel the power. Baby. Yeah. Why Can we just talk about the... Uh, yeah, what was that? You, you had like some uh, some G Willikers like in a your little, voice. Oh, going I put on. a little oomph on it today. It's cold. We're in it's Philly. You're like spooky, man. I'm freezing. Right before we started, E, you were asking Kofi something. Kofi is wearing a hoodie that says, I will be your friend. Yes. And I asked him the significance. Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, there is a, uh, a sneaker designer of notes. His name is John Geiger. I, I think it was his niece who came up with this uh, idea to promote anti bullying. I always have to say support. Support anti-bullying or yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah okay, support, yeah, yeah. So she wanted support. to support anti-bullying. So she came out with all these like sweatshirts that say "I will be your friend" and T-shirts as well. And then all the benefits and proceeds went to some uh, charitable, um, you know, organizations. So I thought it was really cool. And I think you know she's like nine years old or something like that. But you know, anytime kids can come together to uh, yeah. you know mm-hmm. to to be together and uh, not not worry about this whole bullying. Fiasco yeah. scenario is cool, so I'm just trying to support. If we can find the uh, the links and stuff for that, we'll have to be in the uh, description yeah. below. I mean, so they're not for, they're not for sale too. anymore. Oh, but is there, there's there's got to be way were, to support. It was, a, it was a limited it was a limited limited day, run, right? but you know she might drop some kudos kudos to the to the effort. You, know, you guys like, can keep in touch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's, on, she's on there somewhere, she'll doing good things. What's that? The Randy Watson. Randy Watson. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm Great just thinking about the Jerry curl <laughs> dripping in the blue Ooh, we're talking about you coming back. You need to come back with a Jerry oh, curl. Oh, if wait. you don't come back with a Jerry curl, don't come back. <laughs> don't come back at all. <laughs> don't, don't let me see you back here without a Jerry curl. Do you realize bro? how heavy my head would be? <laughs> yes. My, my hair is already enough, but putting all the activator and all the Jerry curl juice, That's it right. adds That's like 17 pounds That's to right. your That's head. the sacrifice that you got to make. You, you sat in the chair at SummerSlam for what, 12 hours doing the Stevie Wonder beads all and together, yeah. You're telling me you can't show up with one Jerry curl? Anyway. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> From things that we have talked about uh, previously, we were digging into the story of how the New Day came to became the New Day. Yes, I'm speaking about us in third person. Uh, and where we stopped off last time was right before um, we uh, really kind of dug our teeth into being baby faces when we started. And so there was just this this crazy feeling of being told that we were going to be these happy, dancing, <laughs> clappy preachers when that was the complete opposite of what we said that we wanted to do. Uh, but again, realizing that minutes on TV are minutes on TV and we can turn those into whatever we want. But then being told that we were going to use these characters and these these uh, this, this framework to be good guys, to be baby faces, which we realized, three of us realized, in the year of what, was it 2016? What is your question? What year... Did we debut? 2016? Oh. You thought we debuted? Bruh, I don't 2014. know. 2014. 14. Come on, man. <laughs> two years? You just want to erase two years? I have no concept of time. You, we, we've been over this. I have no concept of time at all. We did, did we debut number. 2018? Black Friday 2014 was when we debuted officially as the new day, but also the summer of 2014 we were in miami when the three of us were first on tv as a collective 2016 it's just numbers it's numbers <laughs> i got the memories in my brain anyway the point of this is the fact that we knew that people would not like this we knew that they would take a dump on it they would open the cheeks and just release <laughs> yes all over it they would spread the cheeks they would right, spread right, the right, cheeks right. grasped with all 10 fingers <laughs> real and intent just 
I got a lot of cheek too. So you know you gotta make sure there's nothing blocking. The boy is okay. thick. So you spread the cheeks. You take a make double sure grip. No you get in and then you you know get a little closer and pull a little further. You just yeah. Yeah. okay. Yes, there's a pull. Spreads and releases. Pulling motion. So we realized that that's what the crowd would be doing to us. <laughs> and that in turn is actually what happened. And spread the cheeks. They did. <laughs> what was the thing that? Uh, they kept referencing Hands Across America. Hands Across America, I think, was a very large gospel group from the 70s. And it was he who shall not be named uh, was the one who thought, oh, this is going to be as the New Day would be inspired by Hands Across America. But I think it was they just it was a continually growing group, I think. Yeah. There'd be like 20 members on stage. There'd be like mm. 30 I'm not gonna say it was a cult, but it almost had the feel, and they just perform yeah. gospel songs. That's that's what he had in in mind, I think, for what we would be. Yeah, because it was like an actual feel good thing. But again, that's in the '70s and the '80s, where I feel like society at that point in time enjoyed feel good stories, and they liked things that were good and happy, and people like preaching good messages of positivity. But in the 2000s, everyone is very cynical. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I want to do the good thing. And they're like, ah, you suck. Get out of here, loser. Ah, nerd. Don't tell me to be better. I don't want to better myself. No, I don't suck. <laughs> you suck. Come on, man. So jaded. I know, right? So jaded. And so we knew that's what we were running into. And so we felt like, oh, this is just, this is like the, the, the death knell. What are we going to do with this? And so how, how did you guys feel? Like those, those first like three months of everybody just booing us out of buildings. I thought, all right, I don't know if, he who shall not be named will let us turn heel, but people care. They may not like us, but they feel a certain way. So they were making noise, and that was the big thing. Like, we always, we know the issue is if, if people don't care, they don't make a noise. When you come out, ooh, it ain't That's working. It. So it. it wasn't working in the way it was intended to work, but it was something we could use. Yeah, and I think kind of in a roundabout way, uh, we wanted to be bad guys anyway. It was, so for me, it was kind of messed up because, you know, like I said, we wanted to be bad guys, but we didn't have this vision in mind. And the fact that we were getting to be bad guys made me very happy. But at the same time, the way that the people were rejecting us pissed me off because we worked so hard to get here. You know what I mean? And like you have no, and I know we say it in a lot of interviews all the time, but you have no idea how hard it is to fight and get put onto television as a group in the way that we did it to be, you know, coming to work and enduring flack, people laughing at us, people making fun of us in the writer's room, the, you know, some people on the roster. And now the people that we're doing this for, you know, are coming out and rejecting us. I thoroughly enjoyed when people would tell us that we sucked because now I'll just turn it up like oh we suck like I have a tendency to do that too and I, I, I got this from you so we, this was actually in, uh, in Europe where like everybody in the crowd is cheering and you have one person who will be like oh the new day sucks and I'm like instantly over to you oh we suck so now everyone in the crowd is confused because 99 percent of the people are cheering us but this one dude who's like saying something like I'm turning up for him just to piss him off you know so that, that's kind of what this whole um scenario was where people were rejecting us and giving us what we wanted but i didn't want you to give it to me like that you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. so and we're actually we're recording in philly right now which yeah. is where, like it was actually the royal rumble pre-show we worked cesaro and kid in 2015 in philadelphia in the same building we're in right now and that was one of the moments where we got the loud very loud massive new day sucks chance <laughs> 
and we're supposed to be baby faces and we're not getting the reactions we're supposed to. But I remember afterwards, I think it was a point either on our entrance or afterwards where the three of us are all in the ring. We're looking at each other and there's a real moment of yeah. anger yeah. that, oh, that we're yeah. because we worked so hard to get on TV. But we also know that this isn't good. We know that the three of us are talented and we feel very strongly in the bond as a trio. And we know it's not good, but in the same vein, when we've worked so hard to get on TV, you all, y'all talk about people being underutilized and how you want to see talent like us be used in, in a better way. And finally, we're being used. And this is the reaction we're yeah. getting. That was a real yeah. moment of real anger. Yeah. And maybe some of it was misdirected. Maybe some of the anger from us should have been directed elsewhere and not at the fans. But... It was a very frustrating time because it's easy to look back now when we're all, we, you know, I don't want to say we made it, but we've, we've been together for five years. We've done a lot of really cool things. It's easy for us to now say, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. But at the time when we're, we're really in the sink or swim mode and thinking, if this doesn't work, mm -hmm. I might be sent back down to NXT or fired. Who that knows? Was me. I was getting right. fired. It's, I was it's, gonna a, totally it's a moment fired. of desperation. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons that I would get so hot. And you would make fun of me because I'd turn up at the smallest thing. And any, anybody <laughs> with like a frown on their face, I'm like, ah, and just like, turn us heel, please. Because that's where I felt like our bread and butter was going to be. But anyway, people booing us out of buildings and being upset about it. It, it was rough for, for so many different reasons. But I think the thing that really solidified it for me and in the sense of, oh, this is something that we can actually use is when we were overseas wrestling against Cesaro and Kid. It was the most incredible thing. Because what, what, were we in Germany? Yeah, it was, I, I, I wanted to say Switzerland, but it couldn't have been Switzerland. I think it was, I think it was Germany. Germany. But we were just talking about this on the last tour. Uh, they're huge Cesaro fans over there. So that compounded with the fact that we're doing something that they didn't want to see. It was an instant, like, turn right we, we yeah. turned in the ring yeah so it was you guys in the ring against Ken Cesaro Natty was on the outside I was on the outside for us and I remember it was so loud like against us and for them <laughs> Cesaro I think once he caught eyes with you first he goes switch and then looked at me and I said switch yeah. and then we looked at E switch looked at TJ switch yeah. looked at Natty switch and then just switched the whole match yeah, yeah. on the fly <laughs> for me like so I had never the only time I had been in actual heel was when I first came out. This was like even before I was signed. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, Kofi Kingston from Jamaica as a bad guy. I had no business being a heel because I didn't know what I was doing in the ring. But, you know, so this is fast forward, what, like eight years after that? I had never been a heel on screen. I had never been a heel um, in the WWE, uh, you know, landscape. So for me, I was like, this is pretty cool, you know what I mean? And then having to do that like the first time in front of people. Ordinarily, you'd get chances, you know, you'd get time to like practice or whatever, and I had no time to do that. So it was a really, really fun moment for me. And especially being in there with Cesaro too, like he's one of the best in the world. So, yeah, he and TJ were yeah, so T good Yeah, oh my together. God, TJ's one of the best. So good yeah. together. And I think too, we didn't realize, we didn't know if this was going to be a one night thing, if we were just going to be received as heels very clearly and they would be received as baby faces that night. So I think we went out every time thinking, okay, we're going to work babyface and they'll work heel, but we'll be ready to switch it. And I think we must have had at least six other shows. I don't remember how early it was into the tour, but it was, it was yeah, middle-ish of the tour. And every single night, it wasn't just Germany, but every single town we went to, they were clearly over as babyfaces and we were clearly heels. So 
I really have to give a ton of credit, and we have in the past, to Cesaro and Kidd for allowing us to have the run that we had because they were the perfect foils. That if we were baby faces and we worked heels who were lukewarm or the people didn't really care about, we wouldn't be able to do the double switch. So if it wasn't for Cesaro and Kidd not just being so easy to work with and so talented, but being so liked and so over as baby faces, that's the only reason the switch worked. And if the switch didn't work, I, I, if we didn't get to run his heels, we I don't think we'd still be together. Oh, so, no. so like big hats off to and Natty too. Like Natty yeah. did her thing too. We the y'all used to do a slap spot yeah. on the floor. I was gonna slap, talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh she God. was she was slapped, slapped the living hell so, out of you. So it's also too. I have eczema, so I have very very sensitive skin. So if I get like slapped. It'll bubble up, and you'll see like a print of whatever hit me. But it's like a bumpy bubble up. So it's like it looks like I've broken out in hives. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain this to you guys before we even did the spot. And you guys, oh, cool, whatever, thinking nothing of it. Natty slapped me. We're all in the ring. I'm screaming about it. And I turned to, I remember I turned to Kofi. And he goes, oh, what happened to your face? I, I told you I got the sensitive skin. And then you looked like you could see her fingerprints bro, in dude. your skin. I, I remember you talking about it like beforehand, like being worried about the slaps. I'm like, bro. It's, just, it's a slap spot, man. Just, just, just take the slap, man. You know. But then seeing it, like legit shock. You could see all the fingerprints. Yeah. Your fingerprints in your face, like it was bad, man. It was gross. Very serious. But yeah, like he was saying, we have a lot to thank Cesaro Kid and Natty for uh, that whole run because that's who we were working on the the house shows before uh, we even got to that point. And then we were working them overseas. We're working with them on TV to the point that we worked them at our first WrestleMania. When we were uh, on the pre-show. And we had a fatal four-way tag with Cesaro and Kid, Usos, who obviously we'll get into stories with them later. Uh, uh, then Los Matadores, Primo Epico, and El Torito, possibly my favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> Torito's incredible. He is incredible. So good. You guys had like a little mini feud going on yes, yourselves. On, yes. Like, the so the, <laughs> my favorite thing about that is we held him down on the ground. Oh, Kofi held his yeah. arms, and I held his legs, and you splashed oh, him. That was an incredible. And then I think moment. I pinned him. <laughs> like it was like it was WrestleMania. <laughs> And then afterwards, uh, he came up to me, and he speaks some English, but it's, it's fairly limited. I think he said something about me being stiff, and then I ended his career. Because <laughs> then we I didn't think see this is like I buried him. By his but he was joking around, yeah. man. He was great to have backstage. So. Oh, man, he was great. But, uh, yeah, so man. Good. So much fun. Do you guys remember that day and how hot it was outside? And so hot. Black mats? The mat was so hot. Oh, you're talking about the WrestleMania? Yeah, WrestleMania. So that yeah. first WrestleMania, we had, we had the pre-show. So what a lot of people don't understand, if they've never been to WrestleMania, they're in these open-air stadiums, right? Uh, so there's no roof on them. The mats that are all around the ring are black, and sometimes well, the pre-show, well, it'll always start early, obviously. Uh, so if you're in that first part of the show where the sun is out and beaming, everything down there is like up 30 degrees. And we were on the West Coast. This was at San Francisco. So yes. that means, I believe, we went out, it was around 4 p.m. We might have gone around out to in the ring. April. Around like 4, 4.15, 4.20, around then, like shortly after 4 o'clock. Taking a bump on the outside yeah. and rolling to the outside, hot boy. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting my legs grilled. <laughs> the, the mat was so hot that you just you didn't want to spend even a second on the mat, so you would just pop up. You know what I'm saying? And just and and keep it moving. But it was, yeah, man. Like you would said, just baking and bubbling. Yeah. It's strange to look at those pictures from that match, though. I remember. Yeah. So we had the tearaway pants. I think you had a goatee at the time. Your facial hair is always changing, always changing. But always it evolving. was strange. We all looked younger. I mean, Kofi just always looks young, so he looks the same. I was also about forty pounds heavier. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So it was that. You know, I felt the pressure to be big, yeah. so I had to keep eating. Yeah, yeah. It's in the name. It's in the name. It's in the name. It's, the tearaway pants was. I felt like it was a good idea at the time. But it's strange to look back it now, is. and we everything's strange. 
to look back on when you really think about it. Mm -hmm. I suppose. When you think back to 2016, you know? Mm -hmm. It was not <laughs> 2016. <laughs> you get on me for my memory, but your, your concept of where we are it's, in our careers and what time things happen. My short-term memory is great. My long-term memory, not so great when we're dealing with times. Your short-term memory is horrible. Mm. Test me right now. What do you, you eat for breakfast? <laughs> I eat seven meals. So I think. Give me a second. You've eaten seven meals already? No, I've had three already. So what were those? I had a shake. Then I had another shake after I worked out. I did legs this morning at 8 a.m. That's part of your breakfast? That's a meal. I said, what's breakfast? My first, I said a shake, sucker. And then you did legs? I don't need that information. That's irrelevant. <laughs> I'm letting you know. I'm giving you extra information. You, you can parse it out if what you don't want it. What was the third meal? Quit talking. Quit the thinking. The third meal was eggs and potatoes, sucker. <laughs> Tell me. Was it? Can I get a Yes, it was. <laughs> can I get a second? Y'all gave me two seconds and jumped on me. Can I get a second? I got to warm my mind up. You just try, you trying to gun the engine. I ain't warmed it up yet. It's cold. You got to go out and you got to warm it up. Go back inside. Get a meal. Give me a few minutes. Go inside and get a meal. Yeah. No time. The winner. Give me no time for y'all cackling. Uh, <laughs> it was quick. Exactly, yeah. It was quick. Getting on me. Oh, okay, but to that point, and that segue, um, talking more about Cesaro and Kid. So they won that match at Mania, uh, but then we went on to continue wrestling them, and we actually, uh, they were kind enough to drop the titles to us. But that was big for us. I think it wasn't until you also glossed past, so the night after WrestleMania was huge for your boys. What do we do the night after? The night after WrestleMania, we had a match, an eight-man. It was, I can't remember the baby faces, but Cesaro oh. and Kid were on one team. Maybe, oh, was it the Los Lucha Patrick? Dragons uh, debut, didn't they? Yeah. Yes, but they were on our team. They were on our team. So we were with Lucha Dragons. They debuted. Yeah. People hated us. They loved mm -hmm. them. I think actually that was the same night where we were able to talk to Vince. I think it was the night we went back, and it was such a great reaction. You know, those night after WrestleMania crowds are mm -hmm. usually very, very good and excited and very vocal. They booed us so badly that we were able to go to Vince afterwards and say, please, we got to do something. And he listened. I remember we were in the office, and we were talking to him about that, the, the genuine pain yeah, shot yeah in his face like yeah. oh you guys really don't think this is going to work and we're like i i still to this day i still think that it was like a test to see if we would try to like nut up and change things mm. if we wouldn't have taken that first step with the idea that we didn't like didn't love but knew it would get us on tv like if we wouldn't have taken that first step then we would have never been able to change anything right and the fact that we did take that idea and did try to do our best with it i think that's what added to everybody trusting us and letting us kind of go down our own path sure. yeah. said, hey we saw what you wanted us to do you saw us try it we've exhausted all of our options in everything that you've asked us to do now would you mind if we tried doing what we wanted to do mm -hmm. and that's when we got the like the okay pretty it's much and that felt good lights. yeah <laughs> So I ended up going to he who shall not be named's office and, and asking him again about us turning heel and giving all the points on why I feel like, you know, in this day and age, especially what we're doing, very specifically what we are doing is not going to get us that baby face reaction. But if we lean into it a little, a little more and we allow it to be taken as heels, then I think that that's what's really going to get us. And uh, he told me that Kofi Kingston is like, that consummate baby face. He's always been a baby face. This is what people know. This is what people love. This is this is Kofi Kingston. People will never buy him as a healer. Dark, dark meat baby face. Yeah, good old dark meat baby that's face. Right. So that's when I asked him if we could get a microphone. And I said, if people don't boo Kofi by the fourth week, and we've talked four weeks in a row, 
then I'm not good at my job and I shouldn't be here. He said, so that means that you would be fired? He said, yeah, if, if I can't talk well enough, if I'm not good enough on the microphone to make them boo Kofi Kingston, who you think is this consummate babyface who will never be booed, then I don't deserve to have this job and you got 70 dudes in NXT that should have my spot. He goes, all right, you guys will talk tonight. And that's when we started getting those in-ring promos. I feel like we, we grew up in the era of, you know, Stone Cold and Triple H, The Rock, Undertaker, like all these badasses. That's what we watched growing up. Excuse me, sorry. Goldberg! <laughs> Don't forget the legend. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't you forget my man, Goldberg! <laughs> That's right. I didn't mean to disrespect him. Yeah, don't, do it. don't do it again. But that's the era we grew up in, and a lot of the guys and girls on the roster, that's, that's the era that we all grew up in, and so that's kind of what we wanted to mirror because it's what we saw as, like, the best, the top guys, you know what I mean? And so... I felt like specifically everybody is on the highway or on the same highway. They're going to the same place. There's a traffic jam because everybody's trying to do the same thing. There's a lane to the left that's completely open of being this kind of obnoxious heel. That's just way too into their own stuff. That's still fun, but I still hate them. Uh, that can still get a baby face team over. And I want to see these guys get beat up, but I want to hear them talk because they're kind of funny, but I hate these guys at the same time. And so us jumping into that lane, I think was by far the best thing that we could have ever done because that wasn't on the show. Everybody wanted to be a badass. And it's like, well, then you just have a show full of the same kind of person. And there's no variety. The WWEs, like Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, 205 Live, they're all variety shows. Mm-hmm. You have something for everybody. And so I feel like us starting to branch into the hyper positivity where it is obnoxious and we're gritting our teeth and, you know, making you clap. Come on, guys. And people getting to actually boo it because that's what, quote unquote, like they're supposed to do to the heels. Like that's really what really solidified us as a group. And so like for us to try to be menacing heels is is not going to work. And you look at the show and visually so many people were wearing black or they were wearing red and they were out. They were gruff and the presentation was very similar. And I think for us too. Our visual presentation was always big for us. I think one of the things that I always dislike with tag teams is when they don't look like they're a tag team. So the fact that we were visually different and we didn't wear black, we didn't wear red, we, were, we wore these uh, more colorful mm-hmm. outfits and I think they got more obnoxious over time and more colorful mm-hmm. was big. So you have the visual presentation and we're not going to try to do something that everyone else is doing. And, and finding your own niche and finding your own lane, I think, in not just in wrestling, but in entertainment and life is important. One thing that my uh, wrestling trainer from back in the day would always tell me, he's like, you have to look different because let's say you have a toy one day. Some kid walks by and they see it on the shelf and it looks like all the other wrestling toys. They're not going to get it. But if yours has some sort of like crazy colors or like rhinestones or this, that where you look like a superhero, then that's going to be more in your favor. When you see our action figures, they're bright pink and blue and purple. And so a kid who's walking by that might not know wrestling, they go, oh, whoa, this it catches your eye. So wrestling is an all-encompassing thing. There, there, there's merchandise, there's in-ring work, there's out-of-the-ring work, there's extra stuff flying all around the world doing promotional tours. So like you have to take in account every single aspect of it. So that visual component that you was talking about, I think, is something that is super important and really set us apart. Because if you don't watch wrestling and it's on in the living room while you walk by and you see us coming out in these crazy colors with a trombone unicorn horns on our head people go what the hell is this yeah. and you sit down and watch for a second there's so many people mm-hmm. who will say like oh my god like my girlfriend doesn't watch wrestling but she loves you guys could we just come out there yeah. you know and like you said come out with all this ridiculousness and unicorn horns and trombones and pancakes and nothing makes sense no you know but it's just all about having fun and we do the same thing with our merch and go out of our way to make sure that our merch like stands out like yeah. that yeah this is a little bit of a non sequitur but do you think we ever had go away heat i don't think so Except for that one guy in Atlanta that I don't like. <laughs> oh, well, you can't tell that story. Can you? Why not? 
Why not? I don't know him. I don't owe him anything. I don't know him. So there's a guy. There's a guy in, in Atlanta who's always at all the shows. And I think the first time that we were New Day there, he was just like he was being a vocal fan, and I didn't think anything of it. Okay, he's booing, cool, perfect. But then he started like cursing like loudly, and there's like kids. But more importantly, my mom is like two seats away from him, mm. so I popped off. And I, every time, for like four times in a row, I'd pop off on him to the point where like I almost jumped out of the ring, and he had to stop me. So I was yelling. <laughs> I was yelling words at him. Quick uh, Sean Waltman story. I think it was the, uh, the the WrestleMania or the Hall of Fame when he got inducted. Um, and my son and I were in the elevator. He happened to be in the elevator with us. And my son is looking at him. You know, he's got his bandana on, curly hair, glasses, couple earrings, some bling going on. And he gets off on his floor. And my son looks up at me and goes, Daddy, is, is he a pirate? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm dying elevator because, bro, kid, kids are so honest, you know? Like, he's seen all these books and these stories of pirates and sailing, and now he's looking, he's like, oh my God, there's one right here. And then he just didn't say one word when he was in there, you know? And then he leaves and then just looks at me and just, Daddy, I, I think I saw a pirate, you know? Oh my God, kids are, kids are so honest, and See? I love it. I love their honesty. He didn't want Sean to go away. Yeah. You wanted to ask him about his pirate stuff. He wanted some gold. Gosh. Shiver me timbers. <laughs> but to get to get back on the point, um, so <laughs> once we finally once we finally turned heel, that was really uh it was what what's the word I'm looking for? It was a very cathartic moment. Mm. Because then it went from uh heels on the show yelling at kids saying, Oh, I'm gonna beat up your favorite guy to us at live events looking at kids telling them they should be in summer school, taking mm -hmm. extra classes because we know they're not smart oh. enough. I miss being able to break kids. Oh god, this <laughs> it was is so much my fun. Favorite thing in the in the business. <laughs> Yelling at kids, berating kids, threatening to ground kids, you know, telling them to sit down, telling them to respect my, my adulthood, you know, respect my age, how many years older than you I am, respect me, young child who I don't know, sit your ass down, little boy, threatening to fight kids on TV, yes, come on, man, but, we, but on the real, we will fight kids. Yes, still. That, that is serious. Going back to the kinds of heels that, that, that we are or were, the, the, the quirky, not super like badass guys, by being able to do things like that, people understand what wrestling is. If you're listening to this podcast, you understand what wrestling is. It is a fantastic, entertaining show done for your enjoyment. And so when people are able to, to release reality, let go and just have a good time, that's when wrestling is at its finest, I feel. And so us being able to go to these kids and yell at them and the adults in the crowd, their parents, other adults watching this, they're fully getting into this because they see how much we're riling up this seven-year-old mm -hmm. who's now standing on his chair, screaming in our faces, hoping that we lose, cheering for the good guys like crazy. Everyone behind them that's 18 and up goes, this kid is amazing. Let me do what this kid is doing to support. Now there's more energy in the crowd. For us, that's what we're looking for, especially when we're wrestling. Uh, let's say, so I could say when we uh, went to something with the primetime players mm. who they were, they, were, they were doing all right at the time. They're having matches here, having matches there, but they were getting into stuff with us for the tag team titles. And so being able to be at live events and hearing the crowds go from like, uh, to losing their mind when Titus gets in the ring to blow a comeback and then Darren comes back in and hits a crazy move. And now everybody's screaming even more. Like That ability to do that as a group is really, really something that, that we have been able to, to hone and understand how to do. Yeah, I think getting a great reaction for yourself is less rewarding than getting a great reaction for your babyface opponent. That's what I miss. As heels, 
feeling like we could be in the ring with guys who were talented but might not be given the same amount of time or push or whatever it is and that we can work with them and that they're getting really good reactions now and the hot tags are dope because we're able to set the table you know that, that was uh something that was always very rewarding and i miss it i miss it dearly So I had, I had a friend in college who was like, oh, well, you want to like let someone beat you up? Like, I don't understand this because he was like an, wanted to be like an <laughs> Olympic runner. He didn't understand the concept of the entertainment. Right, right. And it's like, yeah, like when I get beat up, people cheer because they want this other person to beat me up. That's the, that's the story that we've set. And I, like you said, too, e, like I miss it because, you know, me, I just like being an angry, like smaller guy because now the baby faces that are bigger than me can toss me around and it's super exciting yeah. um and so so i oh god i miss it now i'm just gonna go into me wanting to be a heel somebody else talk <laughs> yeah well honestly one of the things that we too we talk about with our success was it's not just the ability to being able to turn heel was big but also getting the reins those tight reins off of us helped us a lot we got more creative control that's one of the things that i'm always very thankful for was the fact that i'm not gonna say we don't write our own promos i don't want to say that but we are given promos, and oftentimes when uh, Mike Notarelli, our boy, who's while well, we always consider the fourth member of New mm -hmm. Day, when he left uh, very early, actually he left right after we won titles I think, the, the titles for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Then he was gone and moved on to other things in Hollywood. He's writing for The Resident That's on right. Fox. Shout out. Mm -hmm. Shout but uh, we had some other writers who didn't gel as well with us, and we were able to, thankfully with Vince, we were able to get a promo and say, well, we don't really care for this. Uh, so we're not going to say that, 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 and that. Uh, so let's go huddle in a room for an hour and we'll come up with what we want to say. And we've said this many times. Our creative process mm -hmm. together is so fun mm -hmm. and easy and organic. It's always, we'll, we'll talk. I don't like when we have a writer. There's three of us and there'll be a writer just kind of in, in the room. Lingering. And just lingering. Yeah, get your ass out of here. It's dog. just always easier for us. Like, okay, let's, the three of us will go in a room uh, sequestered away from people and we'll just hash things out. And when we talk and we think, oh, this might be a good line. And then Kofi's able to jump in and tweak a line or Woods has an idea. And then we start popping ourselves. Oh, this thing we saw on Twitter, we could throw that in. And we start getting on a roll of, of ways to, to throw things in that make it more creative and more us and more fun. And I don't want to take shots at anyone, but man, if we just read what was given to us on regular basis, basura, basura, basura. That means trash. That means trash. Basura, garbage. I know people are doing their jobs and there's a lot going on creative, but man, we've had some real stinkers. But I think, so So to to that point, which I didn't think we were jumping into, but it's it's a valid thing now. I feel like a lot of people on on the internet do talk about that, make that point, and uh, oh, this this was bad, this was bad, this was bad. But I feel like there are certain situations, wrestling definitely being the top one, where if you have someone writing something for you that doesn't have similar life experiences or have the same sense of humor or has nothing really like in common with you at all, it's a lot harder for them to write in your voice. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's something that we definitely ran into, especially with the shtick that we were doing when a lot of the other people on the show were doing were just badasses. Right. I know we keep saying that, yeah. but I feel like writing for someone who who is a heel and not the type of heel like anyone else on the show, you have to change your mindset completely. And I don't think that was happening. It right. happened for us, but not for the people <clears throat> who were writing stuff for us. So we just yeah. changed everything. I feel like oftentimes, too, uh, I hear this term a lot, like when they're trying to sell us on this promo, it's like, oh, well, no, you would say this because you're this. And, you know, New Day is this. I'm like, hold on a second. You can't tell me what New Day is. I invented this. You know yeah. what I'm like? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we did. You, you can't tell us. 
how to be us. So just let us like have our have our process, you know. And I think, um, you know, he who shall not be named, um, you know, talking about how much longer the leash got for us. Oftentimes he would get the promo that we sent back and he'd read it. And then be like, oh, I don't get it. But if they want to do it, just let them do it. Yeah. Because he understood, like, the fact that we know our characters well enough and we connect with the people. And that's all that he wants mm-hmm. is to make a connection and, you know, have people react in an emotional fashion. So um, to be able to gain that trust from him was like, okay, now if anybody wants me to say something, I'm not going to say it if I don't want to say it, you yeah. know? And it takes people a while to like, to get to that point. Cause I remember yeah. early in my career, I've said some things on TV that like, I thought that I had to do because it was on the paper. And sometimes they'll say, well, you know, uh, so-and-so approved this. So this is it. And now you feel like you have to do it because that's what they're telling you that the higher powers, you know, want you to say. So now you're in this weird position. And then like from a crowd reaction standpoint, people are looking at it and they're watching it and they're not connecting with it and they don't understand why, but it's because the person who's reading that or reciting or remembering, you know, recanting this uh, promo doesn't believe in it themselves. So you can't deliver it in a fashion that's believable because you yourself don't don't believe it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I, and too, when I when I think about uh, the earlier parts of my career, I, I think of promos that I got that weren't great, but I also put some of the onus on myself as well because I don't think I was ready at the time to to deliver it in, a, in an entertaining fashion and yeah. I need to get better at that. So I, I don't want to put all the onus on creative and all, all these bad promos that we're given too mm-hmm. because a lot of us, like I wasn't a very good promo early in my career at all and I had a certain idea of what I wanted to be and serious and gruff and it just didn't work for me. So I don't want to put all the emphasis and all the blame on creative, you know, because we all have to get better and a lot of guys mm-hmm. uh, just aren't that good uh, talking wise and it took some time and obviously it took some time too to get that long leash. It wasn't an overnight thing and I one of the things that I'm really grateful for which was extremely frustrating at the time was sitting outside the office of he who shall not be named for weeks and weeks and weeks but that uh, that helped build a rapport that we were able to go in there because so many people are so nervous yeah. to go talk to him who who just are like like walking on eggshells just have a conversation with your boss who you need to talk to about creative it's an important you need to build that rapport so that that really helped us get more comfortable with him he got comfortable with us and then we were able to go in you know when we were six months in to being together as a trio and we were able to go in and say hey we want to do this this and this and have more of an honest conversation with him and i also think he respects passion when people are passionate about something yeah. and it's clear like this is an idea and we believe in this and we're ready to when you when you put your career on the line for this like hey you can fire me if this doesn't work that shows them okay they take this serious they yeah. they want to be good at this it's a new day yes it is ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen time <laughs> Yeah, wrap that up. That's the end of this. Yeah, That's the end of this. Up. We're going to shut this one down. And remember, on the next podcast, we'll be talking about us winning the Tag Team Championships back in 2015 at Summer Slam. But until then, make sure you follow us on our socials. Mine being at Xavier Woods PhD on Twitter and Instagram. And you can use the hashtag New Day Pod to talk about what you're hearing in your ear holes right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm at WWE Biggie on Instagram and on Twitter. But per usual, I don't need your follows. You think I need you to follow me? You think I need that? You think I lay awake, rolling around at night, tossing and turning about your lack of follow? No, I don't need it. And per usual, if you follow me, unfollow me because I don't appreciate you. I don't. I don't. Appreciate you. I don't. <laughs>
both. See, I should have, I should have, I should have gone second. Uh, you, you can't follow me if you choose to uh, at True Kofi on the Twitter and at the True Kofi on Instagram. Mm. Uh, and a little more for me. Check me out at up, up, down, down without the O's. And you can catch me twitch.tv slash Austin Creed. But if you want to give some love to this podcast, you're going to tell you something. Choose your preferred streaming service, how you like to hear the sweet, dulcet tones of our voice. Mm. Yeah, hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. How many stars is that? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> give your boy five stars on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. And if you got an Android, you can follow the New Day. Feel the power on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts. That way, you never miss an episode. Don't miss one. Don't do it. Don't miss it. Don't you do it. Don't you dare. Don't miss it. Don't you dare miss any episodes of your favorite, the greatest podcast on the planet titled The New Day. Feel the power. This has been an original WWE Podcast.